Cricket Love Stories with me, Neil Kagram. Today we're joined by cricket psychologist Adrian McKinman. This is episode three of the series that we're conducting. Three or four. Episode one, it's been about confidence. Episode two, about fear. So if you haven't checked that out, it's all going to be in the playlist. So Adrian, let's talk, let's get straight into it. Mental toughness. What is mental toughness? Basically, it's the degree to which you do four things. It's the degree to which you are committed to your goals, the degree to which you feel in control of a situation, the degree to which you perceive situations as a fantastic opportunity and not a threat, and finally, something that we talked about in a previous session, the degree of confidence you have. So there's four things. So let's take the positive end. If you are really mentally tough, then you are highly committed to your goals. You see opportunities as a fantastic place to do better and become a better person. You feel in control and you feel confident. But if you are the other end, what we call mentally sensitive, where you're not as committed to your goals, you don't feel as in control, you see situations as, as a threat, and then finally, you don't have as much control. Uh, sorry, much confidence. So is, it, is there always a continual battle against self-doubt? It's, it's been a well-documented that players have mentioned, you know, made reference to that, to that kind of thing. So, so Alistair Cook, Stuart Broad and James Anderson have always, they've played over 100 test matches each. But they've always said that, you know, sometimes, you know, away from the dressing room, say if they're having a coffee, they do think that sometimes, or oh, could they have done better at this? Or are they as good as they really think? Alistair Cook has said that every time he goes out to bat, there's a voice on his shoulder, you know, almost telling him, oh, you're not looking good today, or you're not going to score well today. Is that always that, that continual battle with that self-doubt? Well, do you honestly think that these guys are performing at their, their true, true best? Don't answer that. I don't want to put you, incriminate you. But there's a fairly obvious answer here. Now, what you are talking about is a contradiction. You can't be really mentally tough and have all these self-doubts. It, it's just illogical. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So what you are talking about is something that is not as uncommon as you would expect. As a psychologist, I get to hear all sorts of things from all sorts of people. And you'll be amazed at people that you would think are truly confident. And they're no different from the gentleman that you mentioned, who they have few doubts. But the reality is, mental toughness, as I explained, has four components. One of them is the perception of being in control. But if you're having doubts, you can't have 100% full belief that you're in control. It's just illogical. It can't work that way. So hence, you can't be really mentally tough if you're doubting yourself. So on the one hand, these guys may be, I mean, I haven't talked to any of them. I haven't spent much time in the UK. I only spent about four weeks in the UK. So I don't really know those guys. It sounds like they are sabotaging themselves. Now, that sounds rather harsh, but it's the truth. Anytime that you are constantly over and over and over negative, negative, negative about yourself, that's almost what we call rumination. Rumination is when you're thinking negative, 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 and about yourself, about yourself, about yourself. And it doesn't help. What it does is actually leads to depression. And so what you need to do is cut it off at the knees. Now, don't get me wrong. 
There's nothing wrong to think about slowly and surely about your pros and cons of making a decision or pros and cons of another decision, etc. And there's nothing wrong to take time. If somebody says something negative towards you, there's nothing wrong with, is he right? Is he wrong? Is she right? Is she wrong? There's nothing wrong with that. But don't keep procrastinating and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. That hurts you. When it comes to preparation, does that aid mental toughness? And if we bring it again back to cricket, Andrew Strauss, Andrew Strauss talks about, he didn't talk about going into the nets and hitting a lot of balls in that, terms of, in that type of preparation. He talked about being physically fit. So he loved it. He was big on his fitness and he felt if he was physically fit, that helped him up here. What would you oh, say? Mass massively. I mean, without a question of doubt, preparation is one of the real, real keys to mental toughness. Because if you've done enough preparation, you know it. You feel you're going in with the right armament and you'll do the best you can under the circumstances and good luck to them. So without a doubt, preparation. So let me, let me give you three, three, three kinds of um, preparation that come to my mind and who knows what else will come. Um, one, you talk about physical. Without a question of a doubt, if you are physically fit, physically ready, then you, you just feel that there's, there's something that you feel confident you can you can go out there and you can get through. And it's no different in my world. I mean, I'm 56 years of age, but I go out and I run, I exercise seven days a week. And I, you know, I do one finger push-ups and all sorts of crazy things, etc. because I'm going to stand up in front of a whole lot of elite athletes. And if I've got a big pat, pot belly and I've got, I smoke cigars, etc., etc., I'm not giving the right message. So I make sure that I look after myself. But on top of that, I also do it for myself. I know that when I'm out there and I'm running an hour a day, seven days a week, I really feel strong and, and positive and it really helps with the brain chemistry. You feel more relaxed. So without a question of doubt, physical preparation is one. Let's try, try another one. Uh, school, skills preparation. Get in the net frequently enough that you keep your hand-eye coordination. And then when you go out to, to bat or to bowl or to field, you will feel confident in control, etc., so that you can do a good job. Once again, let's take in my own life as well. Uh, when I used to do Kung Fu, the, the requirement was that if you did not turn up for two weeks because you're away on business or you were sick, you could not join the black belt group. You had to join the, the, the lower level. So there was a session an hour and a half earlier where you did work, trained with the brown belts, et cetera. And the reason why in such a short period of time of only maybe 10 days, your timing, your distancing, your speed, everything was not where it should be. And if you went into the black belt group, you were more likely to injure somebody. So by getting into the nets frequently enough that you have now got your hand-eye coordination going well is really good because it really gives you that feeling I'm in control, I'm committed to my goals, I'm confident, etc. And then um, obviously mentally, if you do your mental preparation, and it only has to be, that's the beautiful thing about mental preparation, only needs to be one minute, three minute, maybe a 30 second thing here, or two minute, a two minute thing here, etc. Do your little bits of mental preparation and that will help big time with, with um, uh, mental toughness as well so what would you say when a batsman's going through uh, a lean spell and you hear a lot of commentators say their their mind is scrambled and a lot of them say that they you know a batsman they should kind of go away and not kind of overthink the game how does that link in to mental toughness 
Oh, without a question of a doubt, that, that's one of the big killers of mental toughness. I've, I like to think of the thing called pot, like a teapot. You pour your, your tea from it. Pot, P-O-T. And that you do not want to do pot. Now, pot actually refers partly to mental toughness, but it's a small, small part of mental toughness. It's confidence. The P stands for perfectionism. Don't try to be absolutely 100% perfect every single time. There's nothing wrong striving to be really good. Aim as high as you can. That's cool. But to aim to be perfect every single time is, is crazy. You're setting yourself up for failure eventually. The one you're talking about, however, is the OT. Over thinking and without a question of a doubt it's one of the diseases that many cricketers have and many women have away from cricket as well it's a the thing that we really throw down the throats of women we tell them um, yeah you can't go outside you might get beaten up you can't go outside you might get raped so what do we do we tell they end up staying inside and they think and they think and they think and they overthink well guess what cricket is the same in cricket one of the cool things about cricket is that we make it difficult for you because we give you lots of time. In between balls, there's time for you to think. In between overs, there's time to think. And then we give you drinks break, then we give you a lunch break. And if it's a five day match, well, you've got all night to think and sabotage yourself. And so overthinking is really not a good thing. And you'll be amazed how many of the international cricketers actually overthink. The reality is there's a good reason why. They do a huge amount of training with professionals. They have coaches who teach them how to do you know, batting, bowling, fielding, etc. They have fitness trainers these days who teach them some quite good, sophisticated stuff along with the physios. But they're not trained up here. If they're lucky, they may get exposure for a month or two weeks or four, 13 days or something. And then the psychologist is gone. And next thing you know, you don't see anybody for nine months or 12 months. And then they bring somebody else in. We don't take the mental side as strong as and positively as we should. And as a result, therefore, they don't learn all the techniques they should so they can stop things like overthinking. And then cricket, whether you're playing at club level or at the highest level, sledging. Sledging yeah. is being involved in the game. I'm sure, you know, if anyone's ever played the game, I'm sure you've heard sledging, been involved in it, or maybe, maybe even given it back yourself. So the great Australian side led under Steve Waugh. He always talked about, as well as beating them in terms of skill with the bat and the ball, he always talked about mental disintegration of the opponents via this sledging. Now, what would you say to that? Richie Richardson. That's what I'd say. Go talk to him. You don't need to talk to me. Go talk to Richie Richardson. He, if I remember correctly, I think he, um, 3.8. He, he got, against those Aussies, he got a century every 3.8 innings. He, what he claimed was all the aggressiveness of the, of the Aussies and all the uh, talk, talk, talk. He reckoned it, it sabotaged them. He reckoned it actually didn't help them. And what he did was, he, as a result of them talking and talking and talking, he concentrated better. So he scored more runs. Now, don't get me wrong, at the lower level, I don't know how low you have to go, but at a lower level, obviously it works. If you've got a bunch of 12-year-olds all picking on, on one 12-year-old, there's a very good chance that he will have this disintegration. 
And to be honest, you really don't have to go anything like as low as the 12 year olds to get some of that going on. It can be with adults. But the, the reality is you have to ask yourself at the elite level, and that's what we're largely talking about, I assume. We're talking about international, and we're talking about, say, the franchise provincial type level. Do you really want to use the strategy? Now, one of the problems you have, as soon as you start thinking along the lines of sledging, you, you sabotage your own ability to perform at your best. We talked about this in a previous session, that when you perform at your very best, you tend not to be thinking, and if you are, it's positive, positive, positive. And you don't, you don't really tend to be, no, you don't notice your feelings either. You, you tend to feel positive or neutral. But if you're thinking up something to say as a sledge, well, now you're not in that beautiful zone of, of, you know, of a perfect, uh, well, not perfect, but ideal performance. You're not in that flow state. And so if you are going to do that, you're sabotaging yourself. So you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? So you could not only talk to Richie Richardson, but there's an English guy, uh, Greg somebody, you'll have to help me out. He only played about five games. Uh, Greg Thomas, I think his name is. And the reason why I struggle with his name is he said the following to a West Indian cricketer. He said, uh, when the cricketer missed the ball, he said something along the lines of, uh, yeah, it's red, it's round, and it's about five pounds, mate. Um, what was it? You, you, you have to ask yourself, why did he do it? It sounded funny at the time, but what happened to the next ball? Viv Richards not only hit a six, but hit the ball out of the park. It didn't work. So you really do have to ask yourself, why are you doing it? Now, it, it, it's, it's, it's an issue, interesting issue, and I'm really glad you asked it, because on the one hand, you've, you, you've got so many people who think it works. But have we actually forgotten about opinions and looked at what the research says? What does the data say? You know, I mean, you go to South Africa. I've worked with a lot of the franchise players and, and many of the cricket associations as well. And you're, they, all, they all swear it works, black and blue. And so many of them do it. But what I think you'll find is it's actually decreasing their performance and you have to ask yourself, why are you doing it? Now, the only justification I can give, now, before I tell you the justification, I would say, you know, for me, it's not a moral thing. As long as you're not breaking the rules, right, then if you think it works and if you think it's going to help you, if it's in the rules, it's in the rules. And it's not just cricket. I mean, uh, props and rugby union are well known for saying things like, uh, go home, mummy, you know, mummy's boy, you, you don't deserve to be here, et cetera, et cetera, to young props from the opposition. It, it's in every sport. Muhammad Ali used to write poems about Joe Frazier. You know, he, in fact, one time he, he got Joe Frazier to pick him up at the airport and then he's singing songs about how he's going to basically um, dismantle Joe Frazier's face. It's every sport. But... What, what I would say to you is that the only justification I, I can see of doing it is when you think that the decrease in your performance is not going to be as much as the decrease in the opposition. As soon as you start sledging, you're thinking negative, you are decreasing your ability to have a flow experience. But that, that decrease might be fairly small. And you may, by sledging or saying something about your mother, the opposition's mother, etc., may cause such a big, big deep performance decrease that it's worth you losing some. And so, then can mental toughness be taught? MS Doney's actually been quite open about it. In an article I read, he talked about the pressure. You know, take him for example specifically. He wasn't born knowing that he'd have a billion people's pressure and expectations 
on his shoulders. So what, what in your opinion, are his um, coping mechanisms? Take him, for example. Uh, well, Dhoni is an interesting one. I, I've worked in India, but I haven't worked with Dhoni. So I, I really don't know um, the specifics of Dhoni. But what I would say is that, firstly, to answer the first part of your question, yes, absolutely, you can train mental toughness. And mental toughness, as we've talked about, is made up of four things. But, but three of them, challenge, commitment, and control, are actually all related to one thing called hardiness. So in effect, mental toughness is just confidence and hardiness. And research is clear, you can improve confidence and you can improve hardiness, therefore you can improve mental toughness. And I do it all the time. Um, I've, I've trained so many people and you see their mental toughness just go through the roof, let alone when they tell you, let alone their performance improving. So to answer your first part of the question, absolutely, you can change mental toughness, right? Uh, and it can be as simple as decreasing the pot that we talked about. So that's just one example, right? Then with regard to Dhoni, so I, let, let's say that I was called up and I was asked to train his team. Because he's been around for so long, sitting down and teaching him 14,258 PowerPoint slides might not be quite what he wants to do. And what you'll find with a lot of the guys that have been around a long time, they're more interested in just sitting down and having a talk opposed to actually physically training. Get, be with them a long enough time and eventually you can get them to train as well. But regardless, what I might do with Donnie, I mean, I'm, I'm only guessing, is you start off and you, you establish some rapport, get them to trust you, show, tell them a few things and get them to check it out. But you mentioned pressure. So one of the things you might say was, well, Donnie, what is mental pressure? Now, he might start to talk about like mechanical pressure. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about like the pressure in a tire where there's physical pressure, you can measure it with a gauge. We're talking about mental pressure. But what is mental pressure? There is no such thing. If you perceive there's mental pressure, there's mental pressure. If you do not perceive there's mental pressure, there is no mental pressure. And just by asking him, what is mental pressure? could end up creating a whole long, really interesting conversation where he might end up doing, just as I told you about the other day with the captain of one of the other international teams, who all I had to do was tell him there's no such thing as stress, it's just a perception, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wow. And he was able to look at life in a different way. It was the same thing with Donny. Just by saying, well, look, there's actually no such thing as mental pressure. It's just a perception might really trigger him to be able to go to the next level, et cetera, et cetera. And then can mental toughness um, evolve? And are there different strains of it on, this, on the scale? Like take, for example, Marcus Treskovic. He said in an interview when he first came into international cricket, he loved you know, the whole atmosphere, the noise, the clapping, every time he hit a boundary, the roar of the crowd. And that's when he first came in to test cricket, international cricket. But everyone knows his story. By the end, he was coming home from an Ashes tour, suffering from depression. Are there different strains of it, in your opinion? Well, you ask so many things, buddy. <laughs> I'll see if I can answer all your questions. I mean, in terms of strains, well, maybe, I mean, I don't know what you mean by strain, but what we've said is that there's four things. That mental toughness is made up of and i guess um okay so let's imagine that as you played international cricket year after year after year your confidence almost certainly will go up it'll wax and wane a little bit 
But the reality is over, over the course of a career, it'll eventually start to go up and you've been there, done that. Likewise, your perception of being in control will go up, no, no doubt. But let's just imagine that you know, you're losing a little bit of interest. Maybe your commitment goes down, your commitment to your goals. And then finally, um, challenge. Maybe you see things like touring is now not such a great, a great thing, but it's a bit of a handicap. It causes problems for your family, et cetera, et cetera. So that's just one way that your mental toughness would stay the same because two components went up and two have gone down. And that might lead to depression. But to be honest, I, I, I don't think the, the right way to look at mental toughness is like strains. And honestly, I don't think that that scenario is really going to lead to depression. What, what depression really comes from is just a simple thing, thinking negative, right? And so, so what's going on in this guy's life? I'm not sure. But the reality is it's causing him to think negative. Now, why is this happening? Well, I, I would basically blame two, two groups of people, the administrators in cricket and the coaches in cricket. Why? They're not showing enough courage and, and confidence in cricket psychology. They have no problems hiring a fitness trainer. They can think, oh, some guy can go out there teach the guys how to stretch slightly better, keep them motivated in the gym. They, they get that because it's easy to see. They see the fitness trainer doing something. But with somebody like me, they know that what we are focusing on is so important, but they don't understand what we do. And part of the problem is because we have to do it to a certain extent behind closed doors. If you are a cricketer, you don't want to tell me a whole lot of things if you think that other people are gonna hear or if I will tell other people. So that's one of the problems. But the reality is that some of the coaches and some of the administrators are not as cluey. We're not at 2020 in terms of sports science. And, and it's, it's a real problem because unfortunately, there's a lot of cricketers out there who actually are suffering in one way or another mentally. Um, you. Ireland and England, cricketers, there's so many. I'm not going to mention any of the names, but they've been in the media. There's, I can probably give you 10 international guys who have said that they're depressed. Now, does that situation need to happen? No. The reality is if they had, if, if they train mentally as many times as they did physically and as many times as they did skill-wise, they wouldn't get depressed. Well, the, the likelihood is so unlikely. All right. So there are things that we could do to decrease that. And it's really, really sad that even in 2020, we still have so many cricketers. And it's not just the UK, it's just that the UK talk about it more. We talked about Dhoni. Well, Dhoni has actually come out. So I'll use his name. I mean, I'm sure he has come out with, to the media and he's actually told the media that we need some mental training. He says that one of the problems they have is that a guy comes in, does 12 days, 13 days, and then leaves. And it's crazy. They need to have somebody who's constantly training them just like they do physically. And it would be the same in the UK, everywhere else. And is it all about just kind of bring, uh, breaking down that stigma? Because if a player, for example, saying that they need help about mental toughness, for example, is it just about breaking down that stigma and just... You know, being people being a bit more open-minded about 
bringing people such as yourself in? Well, there's many parts to it. That that is that is definitely a big one. And it, I mean, the the article I read about Dhoni was saying exactly what you're saying. He says that in an Indian culture, people feel uncomfortable to talk about how they're having issues with mental mental things, if you like, because there's this assumption: well, you must be weak, so people don't like to talk about it. Whereas if you go to Manhattan the the capital of therapy, psychological therapy it's almost like a badge of honor to be walking around saying oh, i've got myself a therapist so they have a maybe a little bit too far but they have a much more healthy way of looking at mental health professionals whereas in other countries it is a lot more taboo and it's to their detriment they suffer by themselves and they will never be as effective usually as if they had a little bit of help from a professional. After all, if you're building a house, do you go and talk to um, uh, a butcher for advice? No, you ask appropriate person or you read books from appropriate person. Well, sure, you can read books about mental toughness, but maybe just maybe the better thing to do is to see a professional. And as you say, so what you and me are doing right now is a useful thing because more and more people start to hear about this and they start to talk about it. And then somebody says, you know, I don't like his accent and I don't like some of the things he says, but you know, he was right about this, this and this. And next thing you know, they have a conversation. So yeah, that's, that is definitely part of, and that's why I was actually quite, you know, when you approached me, I said, you know, why not? This is a cool thing to do. Well, Adrian, fascinating as always. Remember guys, this was episode three of four. All the, play all the episodes are in the playlist. Next one will be all about goals and we will both see you in the next one.